welcome to K2, uh, everybody, and welcome Redbox over across. Could everybody over here, just real quick, give yet Redbox a shout? Awesome, excellent, excellent. Hey, uh, we are so excited for today. Um, it's been a great morning so far, and uh, when it's great, it's fun to get a chance to do it again. So let me just say happy Labor Day weekend to everybody. How many here, everybody excited not to have to work tomorrow? Yeah. Now we're talking, absolutely. Since 1894, with President Grover Cleveland, we've had Mondays off. Um, actually, not Mondays. I guess that would just it was one Monday. be great if, if we had Mondays off. That'd be awesome. But uh, I know uh, doing some history, Labor Days were filled with parades. And, you know, then after that, uh, labor organizations would get up and they'd celebrate and get speakers and all that kind of stuff. And pretty much for us today, it seems to be like a day of rest which I know we all love and could use a little bit of the bad side as it kind of brings the end of summer, you know, Labor Day. But uh, Christian kind of stole my thunder. The other thing I realized is Labor Day is ushering the beginning of the college and NFL football seasons. So, yeah, absolutely. So I've just realized Labor Day should be like my favorite holiday. So um, I, I, I apologize to all of you who aren't into uh, football and all that kind of stuff because you're going to get a little bit of that today. So just give me a, give me a, a break a little bit on my illustrations but uh, it's in my blood. What can I say? So, but you guys, uh, when we think about work, um, actually work is an awesome thing. It was God's idea. From the very beginning, God has said, I have created you actually, and I've given you specific abilities. Both you have intellect and ability to reason and physical abilities so that you can work. In fact, I, I, and actually when God said to Adam and Eve, he goes, here's the garden, and I want you guys to invest yourself in here, take care of this, make sure that you take care of my land and my creation. And that was actually before the fall. You know, I think some people think, you know, sin entered the world, and then God said, get to work. You know, and it's like, no, no, we got to work. And like, no, actually offering what you have and who you are to the rest of society makes us a better place to live. So I just want to say thank you, I mean, because you're all over the map out here, the, the jobs that you do. We have teachers and people in law enforcement and technical skills and engineers and medical profession. Some of you are the dreamers. Some of you are the visionaries. And then some of you are the administrators that kind of make all that happen. you got your entrepreneurs and the people in management. You have your white collar and your blue collar. But just to remember that what every single person does, we should value. Because when it doesn't get done, then the world starts to fall apart a little bit, Right? So we should be grateful for what everybody does. In fact, when we think about things not getting done, Andy actually sent me this story, uh, and uh, this is pretty good. In fact, this is one I just got to read to you instead of kind of sharing it myself. So it starts off like this. One afternoon, a man came home from work to find total mayhem in his home. His three children were outside, still in their pajamas, playing in the mud. Empty food boxes and wrappers were thrown all around the front yard. The door of his wife's car was open, as was the front door to the house. Proceeding into the entry, he found even a bigger mess. A lamp had been knocked over and a throw rug was wadded against a wall. And in the front room, the TV was loudly blaring a cartoon channel. Now we're getting serious. The family room was littered with toys and various clothing items. The kitchen, the dishes filled the sink. Breakfast food was spilled on the counter. Dog food was spilled on the floor. A broken glass lay under the table and a small pile of sand was laying in the back door. He quickly headed up the stairs stepping over toys and more clothes, looking for his wife because he was worried that she should be, maybe she's ill or that something serious had really happened. He found her in the bedroom, still curled in the bed, in her pajamas reading a book. She looked up at him and smiled and asked how his day went. And he looked at her bewildered and asked, what happened here today? 
Well, she smiled and answered, you know, every day when you come home from work and ask me what in the world I did today? Yes, he said. Well, she said, today, I didn't do it. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I noticed all the women are clapping. Is that not awesome? What a great story. I mean, so much of the time, hey, man, what did you do today? And today, I didn't do it. And you guys know, I mean, if you are, if you look at your home, and in fact, just yesterday, I put Caleb and time out right in the corner, and the first thing he said is, Daddy, there's spider webs up there. You know, I mean, if you don't take care of your home on a constant basis, it starts to fall apart. I see that every day with a, this home that's across from, from my uh, property where nobody lives there. And when somebody's not taking care of it, when somebody says, I'm not going to do it, it just falls apart. Riding my bike around neighborhoods, seeing the people don't, you can't mow, uh, water your lawn, the grass just dies, everything falls apart. And can you imagine if you actually had a really critical job and you decided, I'm just, I just didn't do it today. Like if you were an air traffic controller, right? And you just got to work and said, well, you know, I just, I just didn't do it today. I mean, there could be some serious implications if you're not doing your job and continuing to do what you're supposed to do. Okay. And that's where we find ourselves today. What about when it comes to God? How do we feel about this whole work thing when it comes to God? See, because one of the things we understand about him is Jesus told us very clearly, my father is always at work. He's always doing something, and so I, too, am always working. And one of the amazing things to me and one of the greatest privileges of my life is this unbelievable reality that God says, I want to do my work through you. So I'm always at work. I got very, very critical things. I'm God, so I'm doing some important stuff. And the way that I do it is through you. And so what happens... If all of a sudden, you know, God comes home from work one day, enters into our world, and we're laying in bed reading a book and saying, well, you know, I just didn't do it today. And what's going to happen, because the scriptures are really clear that eventually this world's going to end, Jesus is going to come home, he's going to come back and check things out. And when he comes back to this world, what's he going to find? Did his people actually do the stuff that we were equipped and resourced to do? Or did we decide, you know, well, I just didn't do that today? That's kind of where we're finding ourselves as we look at this whole series about us changing our world. And so where we're at is uh, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 25. And in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, it's right near the end of Jesus' life. And it's two chapters that are kind of called the Olivet Discourse. In other words, what happened is Jesus took his disciples, went on the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is uh, where the Garden of Gethsemane was. He's sitting up there. And his disciples ask him, they say, hey, Jesus... So what's it going to be like at the end of the age? What's going to happen when the world's kind of like over and you come back and you reign as the king? And so if you, if you want to know the answer, Jesus says, well, in Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew 25, he has about f- six stories, I believe, to help us to understand what's going to take place when this world is over. And what I want to share with you today is one of those stories that he talks to us about when we think about what does it mean for us to change our world, and how does God want to do that through us? Now, before I read this, um, before we actually read his words, I just want to pray and just remind us all again that this day right here, the fact that you're here is not an accident. I believe that with all my heart. And if for the next hour, if you and I will open ourselves to God, he says, I'm here, and you matter to him. And I believe that he wants to speak to you personally, and he wants to speak to us as a church. And how cool would that be, again, if we engage with a living God? So let's pray, 
and give you a chance to open up your own heart, kind of get out of all your busyness, settle down, and say, God, hey, speak to me today. So, Father, um, thank you for every person who's here. Thank you for your intense, perfect, holy love for every person in this room. The fact that you thought of every person who's here, that they are your idea, is an amazing thing. So God, we, just, we come to you as your creation today, and we just say we really do, as your church, as a church here today, we want to worship you, and we want to follow you, and we want everything that you have for us. So I'm asking, in the name of Jesus, on behalf of everyone who's here, would you open the eyes of our heart so that we can understand you, and would you speak to our mind so that we can really get a grasp of who you are? And I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hold on one second, just in case. I'm just going to make sure that my wife doesn't call me while I'm giving the message. So, kidding. All right, so here we go. Matthew chapter 25, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to start in verse 14, or otherwise it'll be up here on the screen for you. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Now, when he says, again, it will be like, what he's talking, the it there is the end, of the, the end of the age, the kingdom of heaven. When this thing kind of all wraps up, this is what it's going to be like. It's going to be like a man who went on a journey. He called his servants and he entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents. Now, talents, again, is a sum of money, and it's kind of hard to figure out exactly how much, but it would be in the area of thousands of dollars, okay? It's a, it's a pretty significant sum of money. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once, and he put his money to work, and he gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent, he went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled his accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents, and see, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came, and he said, Master, you entrust me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you haven't sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here it is. Here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hey, how you doing today? Isn't that great? You know, just one of those, let's be happy in Jesus moments, you know? Uh, 
This is one of those messages, you guys, that uh, you, know, you start off and it kind of like, woo, this is pretty cool. And then all of a sudden you go, all right, let's go on to the next verse. And um, I do want to share one thing before I go on. And I, I really do believe that the, the message for today is particularly for those of us who are in this room who would say that we're Christians. Okay. If you've made a decision uh, to put your faith in Jesus Christ, um, if I asked you right now, do you, do, are you a disciple of Christ? And you would raise your hand. If that's you today, I think that's who this message is for mainly. So I know many of you are here today, and you're just checking this out. You're, you're not sure. You're wondering about God or maybe Christianity, or maybe you're just here to support a friend or whatever. And this will be good for you because I think you'll get a kind of a taste of what you know, Jesus Christ revealed in his teaching, and it'll help you in knowing if you want to be a part of this. But if you're part of this, then I just want to encourage you that today I believe with all my heart that God wants to speak very, very clearly to you and to me. And, um, and I want to start off by, uh, again, one of the things that was really cool for me this week, I was uh, uh, getting ready to, to prepare this message, and uh, there's a great little devotional called My Utmost First Highest by Oswald Chambers. If you've never read that, man, you need to, if you're, if you're a Christian here today, you should get this devotional. It's great bathroom material, about this long, but it'll just spank you every time you get it. I mean, it's a, it's a great little book. So I'm sitting down on Wednesday before I'm going to get ready to, to study for my message, and this is what it says. Jesus did not say, he who believes in me will realize all the blessings of the fullness of God. But in essence, he who believes in me will have everything he receives escape out of him. Isn't that cool? If you believe in Jesus today, then what this is really all about is not for you, but so that everything you receive will escape out of you. Chambers goes on, he says this, Our Lord's teaching was always anti-self-realization. His purpose is not the development of a person. His purpose is to make a person exactly like himself. And the Son of God is characterized by self-expenditure. If we believe in Jesus, it is not what we gain, but what he pours through us that really counts. God's purpose is not simply to make us beautiful, plump grapes, but to make us grapes so that he may squeeze the sweetness out of us. Our spiritual life cannot be measured by success as the world measures it, but only by what God pours through us. And we can't measure that at all. I tell you, that was beautiful. And that principle right there was made really, really clear to me when I was 19 years old. You know, one of the ways that God, guys, one of the ways that guys, uh, that God works in guys, uh, in case, just can I give you a secret, gals, real quick about, about the gentlemen around you, is one of the ways that God really works in us is through you. See, he makes you like cute and stuff, you know? And then all of a sudden, guys get really interested in this girl, and the next thing you know, they find themselves in church. It's an amazing strategy of God's. And, and it actually works. I was at a church planting uh, deal. There were 40 church planters there, and we were all telling our stories. And I get, I, I'm not lying. Half the guys who are now church planters went to church for the first time because of a cute girl. So thank you, all of you who are out there in the female persuasion. Now, here's what happened to me. I was 19 years old, and I went to school. I had just surrendered my life to Christ. So to be totally honest with you, at this point, I was so focused on him that the girls weren't my focus at that point. It's a strange thing, but it was true. And I couldn't help but notice Lori Orchard. Yes, she was cute, 
But this girl lived in a way that I hadn't seen anybody else live. And I watched her, and I started hanging out with her, and I got to know her. And this principle is what I noticed about Lori. Everything she received, she gave away. Everything she received, she gave away. Lori Orchard was a blessing on the campus of our college because all she could do was see the people around her. And she knew that her faith wasn't about her getting to be a plump grape, but it was so that Jesus could squeeze the sweetness out of her and to bless other people. Changed my life. Changed my life. In fact, one time somebody asked me, what was your inspiration, initial inspiration for going into ministry? And when I really thought about it, it was like, oh my gosh, it was Lori Orchard. <laughs> because I realized, and ever since then, since I've been 19 years old, I know this one thing. Whatever I get from God is to give it away. That's the life of Christ. And when you become a disciple, you realize from this day forward, it's not about what I gain, but it's what he gets to pour through me that makes any difference. And so when you read this parable, I think Jesus Christ now looks at us and he says, okay, you guys, here's the deal. Well, you know what it's going to be like at the end times? Is I'm going to come and we're going to talk about everything I gave you. (laughs) And I resourced you. And I gave you time and talents and natural abilities and spiritual gifts and money. I gave you all of this stuff. And when it's all said and done, we're going to kind of talk about that and see how that was done. Now, let me just share with you the first thing about this principle. Actually, my overarching theme today is this. The only risk, you guys, the only risk is not taking one with God. The only risk with God is just not taking one. Because when we risk our life for him and when we give it away, it's amazing what he does. And here's the first thing I want to show you through this passage. That risking your life for God, giving yourself away and not living for yourself always results in reward. If you have your paper and pen and you got your stuff, you might want to write some of these things down. Risking results in reward. And here's the first thing I want to show you in this passage. And it's a reward for everybody. There's not one of you sitting out here that God doesn't want to reward That's just how he does it. In verse 15, he says this, To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. See, I think what happens sometimes in our world is we look around the people around us and we say, well, man, look what that person can do, or look how smart they are, or look how talented they are, or look what they have and how much money they've got. And we like to compare ourselves. Can I just ask you a question? How many of you got to choose your DNA? Anybody, you know, put in a request form for that? See, no, you came out and you're like, here I am. This is it. You're stuck with it. So am I, right? Unless we do the plastic surgery or stuff. But I mean, God designed you. And he said, you know what? You're going to look like this. You're going to have these abilities, this much talent, even this much intellectual capacity. I'm going to make you like this and you don't have a choice. And some people, it seems like got five and some got two and some got one. And then he goes, you know what? And when you get me in your life, I'm going to give you spiritual gifts. And guess what? Guess who chooses what gift we get? Again, God, right? The Holy Spirit is the one who now decides, you know what? I made you like this, and now that I live in you, this is what I want to do through you. You guys, according to your ability, according to who he made you, every single one of you receives resources for him. That's what God does. And then, again, in verse 21 and 23, he says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. This is the guy who got five. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
Well, yeah, because it's, it's, it's kind of like what some of you guys do when you look at me or Andy or Christian or whatever. You know, because we're like pastors, right? We're really spiritual people. You guys, if you, once you get to know me, see, like once people get to know me, it's like, oh, you're not that big of a deal. <laughs> because, you know, I'm just, I, I, I mean, I, I majored in education so I could coach football for crying out loud. I mean, that's what I really wanted to do. And then when I gave my life to God, he said, actually, this gift of teaching I did give you, but I want you to use it for something else. And so that's what I just do with mine. See, but here's what's so cool. So the guy who gets five, he gives that same phrase. And then what's he say to the guy who gets two? The exact same phrase. See, so it's not about what you got or what you can offer or if your ministry is public and, or if it's, if it's you know, underneath or behind the scenes. God is saying, if you use what I have given you, then you will make a difference. Listen to these verses in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Again, talking to all of us who are Christians here today. A spiritual gift is given to each of us every one of you. Why? As a means of helping the entire church. You have a gift. Now, next week in our message, we're going to talk about the difference we make outside these walls, okay? And we're going to get there. I want to talk about the difference that we're making in these walls. Do you know, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, you have a spiritual gift, and the reason you have it is so that you could help the entire church. Somehow when you use your gift, every single one of us gets blessed. And then in Ephesians 4.16, it says, under his direction, under the Holy Spirit's direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly as each part, that's you, does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Can I just say this? I'm going to say this so often right you guys. You have no idea. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you have no idea how critical your life is. God designed you specifically. And when you received him, he made you exactly and gave you the spiritual gift so that you would be a blessing here or wherever the local church is that you're a part of. You guys, and, and this is why, like for me, it, it's, this is why I love team sports, okay? So how many of you, the Utes won on Thursday, right? Awesome. It's fantastic. It was so cool. And the game, and they were just cranking, you know, they're just beating Utah State down. And the guy punts it and they get it on the four yard line. And I'm just sitting there and I go, oh man, now we're going to get a safety. They hand the ball off to the Utah State guy and he runs 96 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. You guys know what happened to that? I mean, the stadium literally was like, ah, and the guy scored the touchdown. What happened? quiet, nothing. Can I tell you why that guy ran 96 yards? I can tell you what these guys are going to find out tomorrow when they watch film. You know what they're going to see? Is somebody didn't do their assignment. That's how sports work. So you have this play and you have this plan and if everybody executes it, then it works. But when it doesn't work, especially when a guy runs 96 yards on you, okay, we're talking probably two or three guys didn't do their assignment. Now, here's the deal. We're a body and we're a church. We're a team. We're a family. You name what it is. But I can tell you this. If it only works, as the scriptures say, when every part does its work. And so if we're like the gals still laying up in bed reading the book and say, well, I just didn't want to do it today. See, that's what happens. I remember there, I mean, there are some phenomenal athletes. And yet some of them just get lazy on certain plays. And they decide literally just not to do it that time. And on that play, the opposing person, the enemy, takes off and he scores. Okay. 
We're not playing football. We're talking about people's lives. And as your coach, oh, I want to coach so bad. Here's my chance. As a coach, you guys, for you, as your pastor, I just got to let you know, we'll win in Christ when everybody does their assignment. But when somebody decides, well, I just didn't want to do it right now, then you know what happens? The enemy can run 96 yards on us and score. And here's what we need to remember, is when our enemy scores, he steals and he kills and he destroys. That's the game we're in. And so if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, well, you know, I don't think it's really important what I do. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen is one day you're going to stand before God and he's going to go, so hey, what'd you do with those talents and those gifts and those abilities and those resources and the finances I gave you? How'd you do with those? Because man, I am at work and I'm taking it down. I am the light overcoming the darkness. Were you in with me? You guys catch me here? You know, I'm telling you, it was so wild. Susie and I went, uh, uh, spent our 10th anniversary um, hiking, you know. Uh, we were supposed to be in Europe, but Discover More kind of nipped that. And so uh, we decided to go backpacking instead. And so, uh, and Susie's a mountain chick, so she was all over that. So we, we put our 30 to 40-pound backpacks on, and we went up to Lake Blanche. How many of you guys have been up to Lake Blanche? Is that not beautiful? I mean, unbelievable. And then you get to Lake Blanche, and there's a sundial peak, and it's this beautiful, unbelievable peak. And so we're going up there, and you guys, I've never had knee problems ever in my life. And after about a three, it's about a three-mile, about two-and-a-half-hour hike, man, I got up there, and my leg was killing me right here, right on the bone, to the point where if I moved it the wrong way, I literally would go, ah! Oh! You know, just like, ah, oh, sorry. You know, I'm trying to be manly, and I can't, and it's killing me. And so we get to the lake, and we lay down. We're taking our lunch, you know, and taking a break, and we, we get up, and we're like, oh, my gosh, we only have the afternoon left. We got up here to climb that peak. And I'm like, are we going to climb this thing? And so finally we said, well, let's just do what we can. You guys, literally, if you've been up there, I mean, not many of you have, but there's just big, huge boulders. So you have to kind of climb up these boulders. I'm literally, I'm like one leg up like this, and then my other leg, I'm like a peg boy, just putting it up, you know. I'm climbing up. We made it. We get to that point, And then finally, we get to this place where, well, I think we can keep going. And this was awesome, you guys. There's no trails. I love that. I hate all the sissy trails you have to stay on. Don't you guys hate those? Get me off the trails, man, and let me climb this mountain. And so we just kept going, and all the way up, every once in a while, my leg would go wrong, and I'd, oh, and I'd just scream out of pain. And we get all the way, we made it, all the way to the top of Sun Bio Peak. Well, we didn't go quite to the peak, because that was, like, freaky. And even she said it was freaky, so I wasn't quite a wimp by going there. But we got to the ridge, and we made it all the way, and you guys, literally... I made it by climbing on one leg. We climb all the way down. We lay in bed that night. I'm dying. And I'm sitting in my tent. And then I wake up in the morning. And this was the craziest thing. My left leg, no pain at all. It was just, it was just gone. My right leg? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I came out of the tent. I'm like, are you kidding me? And then we have to go all the way down. You know how that works? You know, your leg's wobbling the whole time. And I mean, it was absolute unbelievable, guys. You know, and what was the deal? Why was that leg hurting so much? Because it did all the work. You following me? So you guys, we're a church. 
and we're going for it. We have said from day one, we're going to be a church with reckless faith, and we're going to give it, lay it all out for Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, we're going to the peak whether everybody part's working or not, okay? So if you kind of want to come with us, let's go. We're making it. But see, we have two choices. We could go like Susie, who's like this little antelope, you know, running around the, the mountain, you know, and she's just, and here's her husband, oh, you know, coming up. And, and I feel like we have a choice. What type of church do we want to be? And I just want to say, so many of, you, many of you, and I see you, and you're incredible, and you're pouring your life out, and it's why we make it. But I, I just also know that some of you have been gifted by God, and you're a part of our body, and you have resources to offer. And I don't know why, but you haven't decided to jump in. You're like watching from the stands, like, what a great game, like me at the youth. Woo! Yeah, you go! You know, but you could actually put on the uniform and score the touchdown instead. And I just, I just know for me, I want to be a part of the body that can just run and leap and make it. So I just need to say to you, there is a reward, and it's for every one of you. There's not one of you in this room who isn't critical as a follower of Jesus to his mission. And if you've bought the lie that you don't matter, it came straight from the pit of hell because he wants to run a 96-yard thing right up your hole. And I say it's time to say, not on my watch. I'm getting in the game, and it's what God's all about. So the reward is for everybody. Here's the second thing that we see in the scripture. The reward is that you get to be productive. I mean, I mean, how many of you don't want to live a productive life? To have a life that when you invest it, it actually produces something. See, when you look at verses 16 and 17, it says that the man who had received the five talents went at once and he put his money to work and he gained five more. See, there's a spiritual principle that God says, when you do what I ask you to do, it actually produces something. That's what I do. I'm at work. I'm God. I do good stuff. But I've got this crazy idea, in my opinion, that I'm going to do it through you. Because I want you to experience the value and the immensity of what it is to be with me and to partner with me. So in John 15, 5, he says, I'm the vine, you're just a branch. But if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, that's how we show ourselves that we're his disciples. And as we're going to see in this passage, I think the two first guys were, I don't think the third guy was. Because if you're a disciple, then you abide in him and you produce fruit. You get five things, you come back with 10 more. And I, and I know for me personally, I just feel like God has been revealing this to me about my own life. Again, I'm watching, I'm listening to sports radio. It's a very spiritual thing, you guys, to listen to sports radio. <laughs> And um, listening to Colin Cowherd, if you guys are into that, and all of a sudden he starts talking about the difference between high school, college, and pro sports. And he says, when you're in high school, you're better than everybody else purely by your talent. And it's true. If, if you're the best in your high school, it's just because you've got more talent than everybody else. But when you go to college, it's your talent. But now these other guys are pretty good too. And you've got to actually start working pretty hard to make it happen. And then he said, but when you get to the pro level, Everybody on the pro level is the best. And the only way to make it at that level is you have to be disciplined to take the talent that you've been given and use it and train it and make it all that you could possibly be. 
and I listen to that, and I'll just try to confess generally here to you, is I feel like sometimes God says to me, you know what, Nelson? I gave you some talent, and you're using it. Appreciate that. But you are nowhere near what you could be. You're nowhere near. Some of you in here, I, I would just, I, if I knew you, I would embrace you. I would love you. I'd say thank you for everything that you're doing because you're pouring yourself out. But you're sitting there right now and you're going, I think I know what you're talking about. I love God. I love Jesus. I'm, I'm part of things. But I'm not totally going for it. See, Paul, talking to Timothy, said, man, Timothy, make sure that you do not neglect your gift. But then in the next book, 2 Timothy, he says, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Some of you, you're using a gift, but you could be so much more productive with it, like me. I've shared this a few times last week. It's why I have my accountability sheet now up on the refrigerator. Because I realize there's a lot of time that I'm wasting, things I'm involved in, stuff I'm doing, that if I was really living for eternity, I wouldn't do it. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And therefore, I do not run like a madman running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In other words, you guys, I just want, for those of you who are faithful followers of Jesus in here, do you feel like if, you, if it was over right now and you stood before God, would you come back and go, man, you gave me five and here's five more. It's been unbelievable to me. I'm faithfully using what you've given me. You've made me to be productive. Is he producing it through you? Because man, when it's productive, it feels awesome. Okay, now let me hit these next three. Why? Are there rewards? First of all, there's a reward for everybody. Secondly, one of the rewards is productivity. The third reward is praise. He's going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. And don't we all love praise? I mean, all of us do from the time you were a kid. You know what you want more than anything else is you want to hear from your dad, you rock. You want to hear from your dad, you're the man, you're the boy, you're awesome. I'm telling you right now, if you're a father like me, one of our main responsibilities is to secure our kids to make sure they hear from us how awesome they are because our hearts need that, right? And then you get up a little bit older and your coach or your music director or whatever you else you got involved in, when they encouraged you with praise, it was amazing. And even now today as an adult, when the person who oversees you at your work puts their arm around and says, man, this was good work, it strengthens you. And especially if he does it in a room with other people, Right? in front of others, praises you for what you've done. Next thing you know, you're like, oh, you know, you know that's enough. You know, I, it just, but it, it just, it, it makes you feel like I can do this, you guys. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to end your days here on earth and you're going to stand before your father, your creator. And what's he going to say? Well done, good and faithful servant. The option is we're going to see here is lazy, wicked servant. I prefer the praise. So that's the other reward. The fourth uh, reward is promotion. Verses 21, 23 says, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. It's what many of you live for right now. I mean, in your jobs, I get people all the time say, hey man, I got a promotion. 
And what does that mean? I mean, there's, there's a celebration when a promotion happens because now you have more responsibility, you get more pray, pay, you've been honored for what you're doing, you're being valid, and it just, man, I just, I live for this. I'll move across the country, I'll go across the world to get a promotion. And what God is saying is, I'd love to give you a promotion. And so, and if you're faithful with a few things, I will give you more. And you'll be able to invest your stuff in eternal things. And when you're all said and done, you're going to stand in heaven and you're going to go, man, I invested my life in this and not the stuff that didn't matter. And then the last one is pure joy, you guys. The last reward is pure joy. God says, come and share in your master's happiness. And then he says, enter into the joy of your master. These are another versions. Or let's celebrate together. You guys, this is where I'm, I'm weird. I love it. I, this is partly why I love sports. Or I love, like, people say, what's your favorite movie? Man, a favorite movie for me is when somebody accomplishes something that they never thought they could do. Don't you love those? And they get at the end, and I'm just, like, weeping, you know? I mean, I watch SportsCenter, and a guy hits a ninth-inning home run to win the game, and tears hit my eyes. I mean, I'm just sick that way, I know. But there's something inside of me that says, when you win... I mean, even all you guys who in church, you know, you're all dignified and you're manly. You go to a Utes game and you become an idiot. I mean, you just scream and you'll yell and you'll hug other guys because we won. We celebrate. That's what we do. And what God is saying is when you join me in my work, you're going to come to heaven with me and we're going to celebrate because you're going to be able to look around you and go, I lived for this. I didn't get caught up in the stuff of this world. I went for it and I gave my life to eternal things. I poured my life into what God cares about. You guys, you know it's going to be the only thing that matters. And I just want to tell you, risking results in reward. So if you're not in the game today, if right now you're sitting there and you're going, I believe, but oh my gosh, I don't use my resources for God. I'm, so, I'm just living for me right now. Um, I hope that you're hearing from him. I love you. And you matter to me, and I created you to join me in what I'm doing in this world. Now, really quickly, let me hit the other things. Because then he goes on to this guy who didn't do it. To the guy who said, you know what? Um, I'm not, I'm not going to use those. I didn't do that today. And let me just share with you this. Risking takes right perspective. Okay, now can I just show I said there this morning... Was, I couldn't wait to share that first part of the message with you. And I got to be totally honest with you, I don't even want to share this next part. Can I be honest? I don't want to. Like if I was writing the Bible, I'd be like, oh, okay, and then we all lived happily ever after. <laughs> and, um, but I also know that I'm going to face Jesus someday and he's going to say, so Nelson, did you say everything I told you to say or did you say just the sweet stuff? Because those prophets I didn't really care for. Do you have something? To, are you going to say what I want to say? So now I just want to ask you, would you... Um, Open up your hearts and just get ready to, to be honest with yourself, with God. To take a risk with God takes right perspective. First of all, about yourself. See, when Jesus went to this guy, when the master went to this guy, and he said, well, I didn't do anything with what you gave me. He goes, because I, I was kind of afraid. What's interesting there is, um, I think really what he was saying was, he had the perspective that he was doing the best thing for himself. He thought, man, if I do nothing with this, then maybe I won't lose anything, and then I'll just be okay. And so he says, well, I was scared. And what happens, you guys, is when we're not living for God, we always justify it. And I'm sure that you might have your own justification right now. But that doesn't work with God. And um, now some of you have good justifications. In fact, someone emailed me this week and just said, Dave, they, they, sh they shared their life. It was, I think it was a gift from God to give you today. 
their life is so out of control that if they were giving themselves here to K2, it would be the wrong thing to do. There are times to take a rest. I need a rest. But the reason I take a rest is to get back in the game. I remember playing basketball. I used to hate it when the coach would take me out and sit me on the bench. But it was so I could get my energy back to go back in the game. And I think sometimes you need to take a rest. But what happens most of the time is we take a rest and then we just rest. And I just want to encourage you that that doesn't work with God. See, because this guy said, well, I was scared. And then the master said, no, actually, you were lazy and wicked. What does that mean? He goes, well, lazy because you just don't like to work hard. (laughs) You don't really like to give yourself away to things. You kind of just want to have pleasure and comfort and do your own deal. And that's really the second thing I think that he was saying is, my issue with you is not the fact that you didn't use what I gave you for me was that you lived for yourself and not for me. And guys, can I just share with you at the heart of wickedness for God is when we live for ourselves and not for him and others. The greatest commandment in all the Bible is love God with all your being and to love each other as you love yourself. And so I just need to offer this opportunity for you to say, with your resources of time and talent and gift and ability, do you use them for yourself or are you engaging in what God is involved in? Because apparently in this story, it's really, really critical to God. And here's the thing I just want to share too. I think, so sometimes we have a wrong perspective of ourselves. We justify ourselves so much that we don't realize, no, the real issue is I just don't live for God. I live for me. But sometimes we have a wrong perspective of God, which I think this guy had. He said, I knew you were a hard man and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and the master comes back and goes, okay, well, you knew I was a hard man. But that's not, it was a wrong view of God, you guys. Yes, we're supposed to fear God, but we're not supposed to be afraid of him. See, when the gospel, when Jesus Christ forgives you of all of your sin and makes you right with God, there's nothing to be afraid of. Now you're filled with him so you can live recklessly. You can risk when you have a right perspective of God and the right perspective is he loves you, he's crazy about you, and your life matters to him. And here's the other wrong perspective we have of God. I think some of you today walked in here and you don't think that his work really matters that much to him. You think it's okay to just, as I say, just go to church and not be a part of the church. Okay, see, now this is where I'm like, okay. I I don't want to say this to you, but I feel like I need to share this with you because someday you're going to go to Jesus and as your pastor, I need to make sure you're ready for that. You understand? My job is to make sure you're ready to face Jesus Christ. And he's saying in here, If you live for yourself and not for me, that is the greatest risk you could ever have in your life. You guys, one of the perspectives you need to have about God in this passage is his work really matters to him. Every person in this world matters to him. And we're his deal. We're the ones that he wants to change the world through. And he doesn't want the spiritual enemy running 96-yard touchdowns on him where we're missing our assignments. We've got to get in the game and just do what he created us to do and receive his reward in full. And then it'll be beautiful. You guys, the only risk that you're taking, honestly, for eternity, is not taking one. That's really the only risk that we have. And so what does this mean? And I, let me just kind of close with this, you guys. Um, 
See, if somebody, and I don't, maybe this is you, we have a great mix here every Sunday, and I love that. But I think what God is saying is, if you don't want me, I'm not going to force myself on you. If you think I'm a joke and and don't want to follow me and want to do your own thing, then you are free to do that, and I will let you do that for eternity. I really will. You are free to be apart from me for eternity. I wouldn't suggest that, but it is your prerogative to do that. But again, I told you I was speaking to those of us who, who would say I'm a follower of Jesus. I think what this story is saying is that some of you are calling yourself a servant of God, a disciple of Jesus, someone who follows him. And yet he's resourced you and you don't use any of them for him. And I think why he told this story was to let you know if that's you, then as the Bible says, I think you need to examine your faith because faith without action is actually dead. In other words, there isn't any really. And somehow you got duped maybe into the American Christian church thing and that's not what I'm about. Because if I'm living in you, then you will be with me and you will change the world. I was thinking about that. If I was sitting out there hearing this message, you guys, and I was kind of living an okay, comfortable life, I think what would be happening to me right now is I'd be sitting there and I'd be going, okay, no more. I've had it happen to me. It happens to me when I'm studying for my own messages, actually, (laughs) where I realize I'm not living it, and so then I, I, I repent of that and I confess it to God. And I get back in the game. You know why I do that? There's only one reason, because I'm telling you, I'm a playboy at heart. I'd play and have fun and be comfortable my whole life. The only reason I do that is because the Holy Spirit of God lives in me. And he loves everybody. I don't. He does. And he constantly urges me to be in his mission. So I think for maybe some of you sitting there today, What you're hearing and what you're sensing is the Spirit of God saying, I have a jersey for you. And I want you to play. You're critical to my mission. And I need you to jump in the game. I think some of you might be angry with me right now. I don't know. Some of you might be sitting there going, you know what? I'm not coming here anymore. You know, I, I, I don't know what you're feeling, but I do know this. If the Spirit of God is in you, there should be a compelling nature to say, I'm going to live like Jesus because that's just what he does is he makes us like that. So the only risk is not taking one because if you risk your life for God, he's going to reward you like you never knew, both now and in eternity. So here's what I want to encourage you to do as we close our service is uh, you have a yellow card sitting there. And uh, it's right on, your, right on your chair. Now, I know that many of you, um, maybe even are visiting. I met some people earlier, you know, from Cincinnati. There were people from other... Na- and you're just here, and you're not part of K2, and that's fine. But if you call K2 your church, if, you, if this is your home, and this is... I'm a part of this place. Then, on that card, I want to encourage you to say, then I'm all in. I'm a part of the body. I have a gift that affects everybody here, and I'm going to use it. I'm a part of the team and I'm not going to miss my assignment. I'm all in. And what you need to do just right now is I want to encourage you to write your name on that thing. And then on the back, you'll see at the top, there's a box. Some of you right now are kicking it out for God. And you do it here. Just write that, check that box, say, I'm already in, and here's where I'm serving. Because we're going to give you a chance in your own worship at the end of the service here to just surrender to God again and say, oh man, God, thank you so much for reminding me what I'm here for. 
I've been way off base, and I'm ready to get back in the game. Now, some of you, you've just never done anything here yet. This, you know, you've come, but you haven't joined the team yet. I just think that maybe today's the day where you're going to say, I want to play. And you can check it right there. I, I haven't done anything yet, but I'm joining now. And you can put your name on the card and say, and put it in. We got some baskets up here. And while we worship at the end, we're going to give every single one of you. So even if you're already in, we want you to have this opportunity just to, as an act of worship to say, here's where I'm in, God, and lay it before him. And if it's your first time to say, you know what, Jesus, I am not going to stand before you saying I hid my talent. <laughs> but here's how I'm going to multiply it. Now, I know some of you, this isn't your place to do it. You love God and you're serving him other places. That's cool. But maybe even as an act of worship, you can say, maybe write down what it is where you pour yourself out for him so that you can join us just in the act of worship. But if you're visiting or you're just checking things out and you're not sure, then use this time as we worship to God and say, Lord, please help me in my own heart to live the life that you created me to live. So our band's going to come up now, and we're just going to begin to give you a chance to get real in your heart with God so that you can be living the life that, he was, that he's created you to give and to take that risk. And so um, let me pray for you. Father, I just ask right now in this moment that you would whisper your sweet kindness, your love to your children here today. And I pray that they would hear you as a, almost like a coach just saying, I believe in you. And I need you. I made you for this. And may they feel the stirring in their heart to respond as you've called them to. And urge them and equip them to take that step. Lord, thanks for the honor and the privilege of being filled with your spirit and being partners with you in what you're doing in this world. And we just ask for your blessing. God, I ask for your blessing in this moment right now so that we can make sure that we're actually the agents of yours to change this world. In Jesus' name, amen.